You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to to come here today. Um, It's been a long day, but I think there's nothing that brings us more joy than to be in the presence of God. So I want to pray for us, and I want us to delve into Scripture and learn something about about God and how it will affect our, our life. So let's pray. My Father in heaven, I am so grateful for helping all of us to see another day, to hear another voice, to be in your presence, wanting to become like you. We are grateful for the children you've given to us. We are grateful for the hearts that are there. God, I pray that your grace will abound, that God, you will touch the hearts of people who are here. Father, my words are only empty unless it is sent by you and blessed by you and fulfilled by you. So God, I pray and invite you that Make the worst part of my mouth be sharper than a two-edged sword. Let it pierce hearts so that they will be brought back to your fold and know the true love of worshiping and living a life with you. I'm so grateful for your son, uh, for what he's done for us. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the third time I've been here. Um, And the first time I came, we were talking about pursuit of honor and we're looking at the beggar who was in the gates the beautiful gate and how God was restoring honor to him through the way that the disciples were looking at him giving him Jesus and then holding their hand and bringing them through so the theme for that is you know is 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 Christ enough is such as I have which is Christ is he enough then we looked at pursuit of power and we looked at Adonijah and also Bathsheba and trying to understand that why can someone like Adonijah have the whole power, the things that the world values, but yet still unable to gain the full satisfaction of what he um, he was hoping for. But it took Bathsheba to, uh, to be able to do that. And he said that one of the fundamental reasons was that um, Adonijah believed he had everything, but but she but believed that she had nothing, and so she had to go to the source. And in doing that, one of the imagery that God gave it to me, in a, you know, after after the sermon was going, is just like, you know, sometimes in our work we employ people, and when they do come and they know someone within their job, you see that they spend all their time talking to the person they know within their job, and they never bother the chance to go to the website and read what we are doing and how things are being done and what the vision of it of the organization is. And so when they come into an interview, they don't know what is going on because they are not tapping into the source and they do not understand what is happening. Today, I want to look at pursuit of relationship through prayer. Um, and I want to re- come up to the th- theme of such as I am, but I want to read it from the book of Matthew chapter six. So if you have the, um, if you have a Bible, I would like you to open with me and let's, uh, delve in and, and read. I want to read verses 1 through 16. Um, scripture says, uh, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, 
do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to be honored by others. Oh, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And I want you to underline that word if you are, if you're, the Bible is your own. <laughs> but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your you're giving me being secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Oh, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also forgiven, also have forgiven uh, our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people, then they, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you also fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I want you to underline the word again. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in full. Amen. I think whenever I have read the scripture, it always came across as how do you fast, how do you pray, and how do you give arms, right? And I think we are so familiar with the text in the sense of seeing people in the you know, football park praying, and we are wondering whether they are praying because they have to pray or they're praying with, because it, it is the right thing to do or want people to see them. So those things we are aware of them, or even when we are fasting, um, we don't want to tell other people that we are fasting because here the scripture is saying that don't let other people even see what you're doing. And so oftentimes we take the words very literally and that's how we apply it to our lives. And I think there is a good to be said by that. But today I want you to take another look at the scripture very well. And there's some richness in it and I think it will be beneficial for your own growth. What I want to talk to you about today has three main parts to it. One is the transactional nature of righteousness here, particularly as it relates to prayer, because that's the part I want to focus on, like how transactional it is and it will make sense to you. And then how unsatisfying that transaction is. And the last one is the need to transition from a transaction to a relationship. So if you look at um, chapter six, verses five, Getting to the end of verse 5, he says, Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. He says that when he talks about fasting, he says that when he talks about prayer, and he says that when he talks about giving arms. 
You see, in the Old Testament, in Judaism, righteousness meant that you fasted, righteousness meant that you gave arms, and righteousness meant that you also prayed. These were the three main ingredients of what it means for someone to be very, very, very righteous. And within this religious setting, the most righteous people oftentimes got a recognition that they needed. And so they had to do things that would bring them the recognition that they are really righteous and they're really pious. You know, Jesus would tell stories of how there'll be a party and the Pharisees would be the ones that are invited to sit at the very head of the table because they were seen as the pious one or they will have synagogues and be the ones who are preaching because they are the ones that people respected. And so in essence, by allowing people to see you, it was really helpful to their own reputation. Even in our own culture, in the Ghanaian culture, have you ever think about when we go to funerals, why do, you, do people have to announce the fact that they are giving you money? You know, you, you, you think about like, why would you go to a funeral and just, oh, this person gave half in Ghana city to this person, why? Because in their culture, in our own culture, what is really clear is a social recognition for the things that we want are really, really important. And so the Pharisees were doing that as a result of that. But the word that God is using, Jesus is using to describe them is that, behold, that they truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. When you read biblical commentary about this, the, the phrase they've received their reward in full is the same terminology they use for when someone is doing a business transaction. Like you go to the market, you buy something, and you exchange what you are buying, your currency, for something that is good, right? It is like, it's a business. And so to them, they were treating, they were treating both fasting and, and praying and, and giving arms as a form of transaction. And because they were doing it in a form of transaction, they were really satisfied with just the recognition that they were getting. And Jesus was bringing attention to it that that is the same way oftentimes we relate to God through prayer. That oftentimes we come to God because we need something from him. We come to God not so much for who he is, but so much more of what he's able to give to us. And if you really want to understand this transaction business part of it is, I remember when uh, they built Accra Mall and they built West Hill Mall. And you know, people dress really, really nicely and they'll go to the mall, but they won't buy anything. They have like nothing on them. Like they just show up, you know, they buy their, they have their really fancy, they are there with their, but the actual buying of anything, they don't have any money to be able to do it. My friend and I, and, and when they opened West Hill Mall, we went there and we're trying to just look around like everybody's doing. We also work around. And I remember, indeed, that escalator, you know how sometimes some of it comes down? And at a time, my friend and I, we haven't, you know, gone on escalator before. So the one that was coming down, we were going up while the thing was also coming down at the same time. But you see, we weren't there to buy anything. We didn't need money to kind of to do that. What we wanted was a social recognition that we were there. We were satisfied by being there. We were satisfied for 
people seeing that we've gone to the mall, when people talk about going to the mall, we knew that we've been there before. We were treating that relationship as a transaction. We did not care about whether we are buying anything or not. I teach. Sometimes students will come to class as a professor, and some of you also have been through this, and all they care about is how do I pass the class and move on? They're not there to really, really learn per se. In Ghana, we call it, they come and chew and they pour. Because coming to class, you know, this stuff is a transactional nature. It's more like a business to them. At the end of the day, what is going to be on the test? And then after they pass the test, they had no idea about what a class was and how to apply it in their own lives. They are not there for the sake of the class. They are there for the sake of the things that they will get. And if you don't want to see, if you don't see your life in that way, in the form of that, that sometimes the way we relate to God in prayer is a way of getting something. And Bible saying that is how, how we all come to God. We come to him because of something that he has to give to us. So some of us, like we praying to come to the U.S. or go to the U.K. or go to places. <laughs> and once God opens a door for us, you realize that at the end of the day, your spiritual life begins to suffer because you no longer will be able to kind of, Go to God and have the time to pray in the first place. Some of us, we are looking for husbands and children, and we pray so hard, we fast, and God will give them to us. And after he's given to us, you begin to realize that our religious devotion to him begins to kind of go down. In the U.S., people get so upset that why, why is it that even if there is a God, why should they be evil? Why should they even go to a problem? In the first place, because you see, the way they relate to God is, is what they can get from, from God. It is it's a transaction from them for them. They've never really, really loved the person that they're relating to for who that person was. Jesus was telling them that when you have done that, you have already received your gift in full. But he was drawing the attention to them that it is not enough. It is not enough because at the end of the day, it is not based on a relationship. So you don't even go into your closet and spend time praying because at the end of the day, you don't even you, you don't have the time to, to, to have that relationship because it is what we are getting from him instead of who he is. See how unsatisfying that relationship is. Some of us are married and, and or some of us want to get married and think about how sometimes insulting it might be when someone comes to you just only because of what you have and who you are and not necessarily for, for, for who you are but what you can give them. Why are you praying? And why are you going to God for the things that you want? Going to him in of itself wasn't necessarily bad, but at the end of the day, the reason why it was not clear for them was that because they weren't kind of seeking him for who he is. They weren't pursuing him. And so in some way, we treat fasting and we treat giving, we treat, we treat giving arms in that way in terms of what is going to get us without necessarily looking at what is going to relate to him. It is unsatisfying. 
And so he says in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he said that then when you pray, don't bubble, don't, don't, don't do it in public, don't, don't show it off because, because at the end of the day, what you're going to get is not enough. So pray in a different way. And he starts off by saying, our father. Because you can't, you can't, God cannot be your father when you are not a son or a daughter. If, if there is no relationship. So right at the very beginning of the, of the scripture, he's saying that like our father, like he's asking for a relationship between you and him. He's asking for something more than just what he can give you. Many of us, I remember when I came to the U.S. for the first two years, I was just suffering. I was just struggling. Here am I living in Ghana. And some of you, you know, like you are a chapel prefect. You are praying all the time. You are fasting all the time. And all of a sudden, you come to a country where, where you can't preach in class. You don't have a group of people holding your hands and praying. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that all the prayer discipline that you you, you thought you were you, you had, all, all the energy that you thought you had, all of it dissipated, and you don't even have time to go on your knees to be able to pray to God. And I ask myself, why? Like I used to wake up at 3 30, 4 30 a.m. like praying to God, going outside, preaching to God, holding the but like the moment that you leave, it becomes so hard for you to be able to kind of get your foot footing. And some of you are in Ghana and you, you think you are very, very spiritual, you know. You think you are really, really have God and, and you know how to pray and you're praying in tongues and you're, and you're, you're always with people praying. And, and, and until you travel, until God puts you in certain circumstances, you think you're spiritual, but what you don't realize is it is the company of the people that are there that is really sustaining you. You don't even actually have your own prayer life. You don't even have a moment where you are spending time really praying with God. The moments is when you're going to church, when you're joining a prayer group, when you're having a fasting like this, but you yourself, you don't necessarily have a relationship with them. If you do have a relationship with them, why, why is it so hard for you to pray in private? Why, why is it so, so, so hard for you to spend time praying with them? But trust me, the moment you can't find a job, the moment that car breaks down, the moment the family is tearing apart, the moment you're looking for a spouse, the moment you are trying to get promoted, those are the moments when you are fasting. Those are the moments when you are praying. Those are the moments when you are going on your knees because you want something from God. That is when you are going to him. You are treating him like a property. You're treating him like a source. And so sometimes when he doesn't give it to you, you get so upset. In the U.S., people say God does not exist because prayer doesn't necessarily work. You know why they say prayer is not working? It's because God does not give you what you want. Sometimes he wants to give you who he is. And so you remember the book of Job and Job was going through all these hardship and he goes to God and he says, why 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 are you doing this to me i wish i wish i was never born why are you letting this misfortune come to me 
And God never answers Job. And I don't understand why. why. Why wouldn't you answer him? Because he has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve going through that problem. He doesn't have, deserve losing his children. He doesn't deserve losing his property. And at the end of the day, you allow the devil to be able to take everything that was important to him. And he comes to you and you don't want to answer him. Why? And you see, when God speaks to Job, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Where were you when I did this? Who are you to do this? Who are you to question me? Then where were you when I, I laid the foundation of the one I created the things that were in the sky? And God told me, like, you see what I'm doing? I am revealing myself to Job because at some point in time, why are you not answering me? It is because he wants a relationship. My dear brothers and sisters, do you really love Christ for who he is? Even if he doesn't give you what you want, at the end of the day, when you're done with the 21 day fasting and God said, whatever you want this time around, I'm not giving it to you. Is, is it enough for you? Would you still go to him and pray to him? Would you, would you still want to walk with him when he doesn't give you what you want? Say, our father who art in heaven because he wants a relationship. If God wants to move up from a transaction to a relationship, then what does that relationship look like? How can you have that good relationship with him? You see, when my wife and I met, we met in college and my wife has a very funny way of dressing. My wife will wear a skirt and wear a nice dress on top and then she will wear tennis shoes. And I'll be so upset. It's like, who, who wears a dress and wear tennis shoes? She didn't care. There was a point in time where you need to love her for who she is. In any relationship, the parties that are involved in the relationship has to love each other for who they are. And so the thing that we've had is such as I have, God is saying, but if you want to have a relationship with me, I want you to come to me just as you are. God cannot love you for the only the good things that you do. Like the righteousness that you do, the good things that you are doing. God cannot just love you for those things because then, then he is not God, right? Who, who just only loves the good things that you does and then calls himself God? It's, it's impossible. So he says, I will love you whilst you are yet a sinner. I stole Christ died on the cross for you. You know, some of us, we don't, we don't come to God and pray. We don't spend the time praying. It's not because we don't value prayer or we don't think prayer is important. It's because there is something that we have done or there's something that we are doing that we think is so bad. It is so worse that God can never accept us for who we are. Oh, we are filled with so much guilt. 
and we're carrying on our shoulder, you know, we are in a relationship and we think maybe we've slept with someone and God is so upset or we are at work and we've stolen something and that is God is upset or we have used misusing our, our power in some way or we are drawing the attention to ourselves in some way. We think that we are not enough and as a result of that, we don't want to even come to God and pray. And that was what was happening to me in the U.S. when I began to drift away from God. I just felt I was so unworthy of Him that I do not want to come in front of Him to pray with Him, to, to come in and tell Him the things that He was doing in my own life. I was so filled with shame, filled with inadequacies because, because I was just looking at what I have, not what, what He has and who He is. And some of you, you've lost touch with God because you are so saturated with the things that you don't have, the righteousness that you don't have. And God is saying, you are enough. I mean, if you had everything, why would he die on the cross for you in the first place? I mean, are you that bad? Are you, are you worse? Are you worse than Paul? Are you worse than Mary of Magdalene who was just prostituting her life? Are you, are you worse than Peter who on, on, on the night that Jesus was about to be crucified just denied him three times? Someone who had walked with them for, for three whole years and in his most, most difficult time, he tells people that he doesn't even know him. Like, are you, are you so bad? He says, our father, because he, he, fathers don't dislike their children just because they've done something bad. My, I have a two-year-old son, and, and we have a dog in the house, and sometimes he goes and kick the dog. Sometimes he'll hold the dog's ears and pull it. And I said, Isaac, you can't be mean to the dog. And Isaac said, Dada, I won't do it again. I promise I won't do it again. In a few minutes, Isaac will go back and kick the dog again. In a few minutes, Isaac will go back and hit the dog and do things to the dog. But no matter what Isaac does to that, I still love my son for who he is. My dear brothers and sisters, God loves you for who you are. So if you want to have a prayer that is, a, is based on a relationship, you need to come to him when you feel like you are sinning the most. You need to come to him when you feel that you don't have the power the most. When you feel like you're not praying the most, when you feel you're not the righteous the most, that is when you need him the most. Because see, if, if you're coming to him because you feel empowered and you are praying and, and you feel so lofty because you've been spending time praying and you're so pompous about what you're doing, you know what you're doing? You're trying to earn your own righteousness you see that you're trying to tell god how good you are and that, that's what you are relying on and coming to him to show up he says i don't care don't come and show up like the pharisees were doing come to me in secret for things that are not seen for when you come to me that is when i'm going to meet you and reward you come to god for for for, for what you've done and who you are and what you can be the second thing what it means to be have a pursue a relationship is my friends, accept God for also who he is. If you're going to walk this Christian life, my friends, there will be times God is going to disappoint you. There will be times that you are praying for things and God is not going to give it to you. There will be things that God will tell you to do that you don't think is right to do. Sometimes I tell my American friends, and sometimes you need to forgive God. 
and, and I say that in a very meaningful way, not because God has done something wrong to you, but because sometimes we feel that God is unjust. Because of that, some people are so angry at God. I mean, God, sometimes we don't have that problem. We have the first problem of because of sin, we don't come to God. But people who live abroad sometimes, particularly those who are, they don't come to God because they don't like who God is. They don't think the prayer even works in the first place. for who God is. Verse 9. When and then is a matter of time. He's saying that protect the time for prayer. My friends, you, when you're scheduled to work and you have to go show up for work, you put everything aside because you have to show up to work, right? You can't go to work and still be doing something on Ghana. Sometimes you can get away with that. But that's not what you're supposed to do. When you go to work, you protect the time that you have to go to work and you go there and do the work. For people who are in a relationship, trust me, when, when your spouse is not protecting the time to spend time with you, they prioritize everything except you. You know, they will prioritize the church. They will prioritize meeting people. They will prioritize the work. They will prioritize what family members think. They will prioritize everything, but they will never prioritize you. Trust me, when your man doesn't prioritize you, your love for him begins to decline. When your wife doesn't prioritize you, and all that she prioritizes is the children, all that he priori she prioritizes is her work, all that she prioritizes is what people are saying and the dress that she's working, wearing, when these things become the ultimate pursuit of life, you see that relationship begin to break down because we don't invest time with each other. And the only way you invest time with each other is when you protect our time. Do you just throw your, your prayer time around because, it's because you schedule your prayer time just around everything. You don't schedule other things around your prayer time. It is one of the first things you let go to do any other thing. But God is saying, protect that time because I want to reward you in full. If you don't believe me, look at what Jesus did. These three things of coming to God for who, for who you are and, and, and loving God for who he is and protecting your time. Look at Jesus on the cross when, when the whole world, when the sin was upon his shoulders. And when he was on the cross, right? He was carrying our sin and he knew that the father was going to... to to, to abandon him when he's, and he cries to God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that? He goes to his father and says, Father, into your hands I commit my soul. Even when the whole sin was laid on him and the father cannot look at him, he goes to the father and says, Father, unto you I commit my spirit. And before he dies, in the most sinful part moments of our, our Savior, in a time when sin was on his shoulder, he still goes to the father and says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Loving God for who he is. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there and he was in anguish. And scripture says that 
he was praying and 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 he was in such an agony that his sweat felt as if there were blood dripping from his face you know but but you know what he said to the father he said not my will but your will be done your will be done you read scripture and look at jesus's life he will sneak out in the early in the mornings and go and pray when the crowd is so much around him sneak out and go find a place and pray because jesus realized that to receive god reward in full and live his fullest life he need to protect the time for prayer when you've done that you will see we have it in full. I want to end with a story for you that I heard from a preacher. His name is Ravi Zacharias. He said, there was this son of a very rich man. And the the son was just tired of living in a mansion and life felt so easy for him but he felt that there was there was more to life than he was having so he decided to 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 try and be like a the very the very poor the very least of a society and be like them and and see what it is like so he became homeless no money nothing and he was spending a lot of his time with this homeless guy and they, and, they, and they became very, very, very good friends. He would visit him and he would sit and the guy was an artist and a musician. So they would play music and sing and talk. One day, the homeless friend drew him a picture, you know, drew his face to kind of celebrate their friends and he took it home. But after that, the rich son uh, stopped coming to see him. He was so depressed because he thought that he had done something wrong and that is why the guy had stopped coming to see him. Then one day, um, he picked up a newspaper and he was reading a newspaper and because the guy came from a prominent family, his picture was that not, long, not knowing that he was suffering from a terminal illness and he had just passed away and so that was the reason why he wasn't coming to see the guy. And, and within the newspaper was a day for, for his funeral. And the, 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 the rich son, his father was so devastated. He, that was his only son that he had. And the father was so devastated that he wanted to sell everything that he had in the estate. All the heart, all the art that was in the house, the, the, the mansion itself, all the, the great things that were in his house. He wanted to sell all of it so that like, he, he would go and grieve his son. And so he organized an art show, called all the most rich people to come to the art show and bid on the things like the way they, you know, when they go and they bid on art, art stuff. They bring a portrait. The first one was a portrait of his son that the, the, the homeless person had, had done. And when a homeless person heard about the, the funeral, he had, you know, found a shirt and dressed a little bit nice to be able to attend the funeral. He got to their house and then he had to call the father and see like, who is this guy? It's like, oh, he told me a story about his son. So we'll let him in and let him come. He had a few coins in his pocket. 
when the picture of the sun came, no one built on the, on the sun. No one just gave any money to it. And he said, like, I want to buy it. You know, he put all his few coins that he had into the bidding tray. And then he gave him the, the picture that he had drawn. Then the other ones, they were bidding on all the different, different things. So when the auction was over, the auctioneer read and said, whoever bought the picture of the sun owns everything. My friends, when you have the sun, when you have Jesus, you have everything. You have everything. And that's when you can go to him and realize that he is your father. That's when you can go to him and realize that what, no matter what you have done, he is enough. That's when you'll be able to go to him and, and know that whatever who he is, he is enough. If you have the son, you have everything. Let's pray. God bless you for listening. Maranatha. The Lord comes.